0: Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard, where every 25-point lead is safe. As always, I'm Sid. What's going on, Reg? Ah,
1: I'm doing all right, man. I uh, had time to digest this L, two Ls in a row. Um, good to go now, man. Got it all out of my system.
0: Yeah. All right. On to New England, as Bill Belichick would say. On to the Patriots. Um, So, of course, Sunday uh, at home, we took on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Ended up dropping that one 26-9. to 9. Um which I don't think either one of us I think I may have predicted uh twenty more than twenty-five points scored by either team, but unfortunately for us it was the wrong team that that got to that number this (laughs) past Sunday. Um it was a pretty ugly game, honestly. Um honestly this is this is one i just call it a throwaway game it was it was, it was such a funky, uh a funky game and I don't think anything other than what i only think one thing from this game actually matters going forward one thing I look at and be like yeah that's a consistent but um what did you take from this game
1: man um it was a few good takes but to me we just had two even teams playing against one another and the straight bottom line I went back and watched the game again like I always do once i kind of had time to settle down and get the bad spirit off me always go back and watch the game and uh you know we both Sean Sean has a saying he always say man the game is not one of lost off of one play it's always a couple plays and that was the difference in this Saints game actually a couple plays man a couple plays to me both teams played well it was well coached didn't over penalize themselves didn't shoot themselves in the foot um the secondaries for both teams played great Tampa Bay receivers came down with balls in contested situations, and we didn't. To me, that was the flat-out difference of the game. Their receivers made plays, and I was not able to make a play uh, on Sunday for whatever reason. Uh, when we finally did take that shot to Chris Olave over top, Antonio Winfield got a hand on the ball at the last second, saving the touchdown for Tampa Bay. Uh, it was just a couple a couple plays here, a couple plays there. Uh, we kind of spoke offline about the fumble by uh, the fullback Adam Prince. Put them at yeah. the 10-yard line. They cashed in for seven. Uh, a missed tackle on third and eight by um, Isaac Enum and um, Pete Warner, which led to a first down, which then led to a touchdown. Uh, so just simple plays here and there, um, you know, kind of was the difference in this game. Um, we both played each other well. We know each other well. Um but that's that was the difference of the game to me. Their receivers was able to make plays, plays, and ours was not
0: And uh, one big play that once again out of our control uh, when we got the interception in the end zone, uh, and they mm-hmm. called and they they pulled out this magical momentum. Uh, um, momentum rule, which ended up, I mean, Mike Pereira telling you that they were wrong about it, but they uh claimed that his momentum took him into the end zone, uh, therefore it's, it's you know, um, stopped at the one yard line, so it put us on the one yard line, which then led to the fumble, which led to that touchdown you just spoke of. Um, the biggest thing for me, which is once again the one consistent that I see that that I've seen through four games now, and there's no reason to. Expected to change, but we're optimistic that we we'll change is the stale offense. The biggest, the biggest difference in the game to me is Derek Carr's average was five and a half, and Baker's was almost ten yards a pass. Like that—that's the difference in the game, right there. When you got Alvin Kamara coming down with thirteen balls, but only for thirty-three yards, that's embarrassing, honestly. And I, I definitely understand his, understand his frustration after the game when speaking. Of, to the media about the lack of creativeness within this offense. Um, We can say, hey, Derek Carr was hurt. Derek Carr looked like he was ready to go. He didn't have anywhere to go with the football anytime he stepped back. So I don't think it was a oh, Derek Carr was hurt type situation. Um, The running game was a little better, but once again, when you're putting yourselves in bad situations, when you're putting yourself behind the marker on first and second down and then and up in the long situations, um, it's, it's hard to come out of. Um, once again, we talked off camera uh, about how this, this wasn't, this was the worst defensive performance of the season for the New Orleans Saints, and even with that, had every chance to win this football game. It's just the offense was so stale. The offense stalled out time after time again, couldn't get anything going. And that's the biggest yep. thing. Like, that's that's been the story for four weeks now. And the difference has been that the defense has played even better to where they weren't allowing more than 20 points. And Derek Carr was able to drive at the end of the game to make sure we were able to get the two victories that we got. Um, so besides that, I mean, like you say, the secondaries played great. Yadam had a great game. Um, a deep, uh, I mean, not a D deep ball. Lottie Taylor had another good game. Uh, Marshall Adamore had a decent game. Like you say, the, the uh, Tampa Bay's wide receivers came down with more contested balls than we did for sure. And that's mainly because they were put in more situations to do so. You got Derek Carr with 20, 23 completions. We just talked about 13 of those with a, Alvin Kamara, and that led to 33 yards. So uh, playing offense like that, you're not going to win too many games, especially when it comes to competent offenses on the other side of the football. you got to be able to put up points. Nine points didn't cut it. It's not going to cut it in those games, and it didn't cut it Sunday.
1: Yeah, man, uh, play calling has been um, just flat out horrible. I'm not sure what they're seeing when they watch film to make them come out and run the same exact thing kind of week in and week out. There is no run game. It's not at, at this point we can't say it's struggling. It's flat out no run game. So I see I
0: disagree with that. I think
1: oh, yeah, I, I definitely
0: think I think Sunday see and I disagree because you look at what Camara ended up getting just by himself on Sunday, which was eleven attempts for fifty-five yards. That mm-hmm. you you live with that. You give ten more attempts, that's a hundred yard game. For Alvin mm-hmm. Kamara, but once again, you're putting yourself in a position where you can't even run the football because before the half, you're going, you're you're putting yourself in a position where you know went down by two scores when you were supposed to be driving to try to get something before the half. You know, so I mean, Sunday, I feel like we had an effective ring game, but just got taken away from us.
1: And see, I feel like we were more effective using the smoke screens and. Um Him just basically looking one way and then turning within two seconds and throwing the ball out to the flat, whether it was Shahid, Chris Olave, Elvin Kamara had a bunch of those catches.
0: I mean, mean, but none of that stuff went anywhere.
1: A couple of of them did, uh, especially with Shahid. When we used Shahid uh, to to do them with, Elvin Kamara normally didn't have that success. But like we spoke about and I told you earlier, uh, I think it was actually before the game. Elvin Kamara normally just don't have great games against Tampa Bay to me. I mean he's still Elvin Kamara, but I just think because they're so used to us, we're very we're very familiar opponents, they just used, they're just used to taking him away. We're gonna eliminate Elvin Kamara, make somebody else beat us. We don't feel Man, like I don't know. Thomas can be
0: No, I, was, I I was just about to say I, I don't care who being played against, I don't care who the receiver or the running back is, you catch thirteen balls, it should result in more than thirty-three yards. Like oh, I said, the stat. Absolutely like, and that's my point, like, you can, you know, be like, oh, they're successful against Alvin, no, they shouldn't have been that successful, like, once again, what we, the bigger point that we have going here is that's play calling, you're you putting them in bad situations, you know, so, and he was forced, Derek Hall was forced to check the football down uh, in situations where he shouldn't have been, he shouldn't have had to. He was,
1: he was forced to take sacks,
0: it wasn't just, take I don't even think he mind. took that many sacks. He got sacked twice.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, a, lot of times he, he got, a lot of times he got pressured and just had to get rid of it. But what I'm saying is a lot of that was just pressure sacks because he had nowhere to go with the football. A lot of them resulted in that. Him holding on to the ball, nobody's open. And with he nowhere had to go. Yeah. Away. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then, like um, I said, I, I showed you a, but uh, I a, showed you a tweet. Using, oh, go ahead.
1: But i just was going to say, I'm a fan of if your run game – stinks involving some sort of short pass, whether it's a swing pass in the backfield, whatever it is, misdirection, whatever it is, I'm a fan of of those kind of play calls as long as it's resulting in positive yards. But some of, a lot of those situations, you see San Francisco do it a lot. It's designed to put the ball in Christian McCaffrey's hand. Now, can that linebacker or that safety make the tackle on him? Can they beat him to the angle? That's what a lot of that is. And uh, Levante David and uh, what's the other linebacker over name? Uh White. Elvin White, they played that great, man. I mean, Elvin Kamara made the miss, I want to say, two times out of those 13 catches or something like that. I mean, those linebackers are just fantastic over there. So a lot of it is not just a bad play calling. No, it's designed to put the ball in Elvin Kamara's hands and oh, see. how that's give you a linebacker could take them down.
0: Yeah. And I disagree. Like when I was watching that game, I saw a lot of, once again, this is just my check down. This isn't designed for having Camaro. This is just the only thing I got. So I'm going to give it to him instead of taking his set. We're going to take this yard or two mm-hmm. and then we're going to go back to the board. Like, I don't think a lot of that was designed to be put in Camaro's hands. It was just the last resort. It was the only thing. It was the only player that could catch your football in most of those situations.
1: A lot of times he got rid of the ball very quickly, Delvin Kamara. We're talking like two seconds. That's not going through your progression at all. And the old line was giving what, time.
0: I think anything that they called to be short once again, it was it seemed like it was look, we call in fifty percent of plays we call in deep. We're like, these are deep routes that y'all going to take. Y'all got to go out there and get open. They couldn't go get open. I feel like 10% was what you were just talking about, which was, look, we want to get the ball in Camara's hand or Rashid's hand behind the scrimmage and let them go get something. The, order, the other 40%, I feel like it was short, intermediate plays, but they were shut down as soon as the, the – I feel like they secondary did such a good job against our receivers that they were killing it right off the line. So he went to Camara yep. because of that.
1: Yeah. And that may be true too, because you notice Tampa Bay played a lot of two safety deep uh, defense mm-hmm. on us, where it was cover two man, whatever you want, or whatever they decided to run with. I mean, that's just saying we don't feel y'all running the, running the football. We can stop y'all with our front four.
0: Yeah, and which and, they can. We we always talk about that their front seven for sure being you know a, a great front seven. Um, but and, and again, like once again, something that everybody looks back at after the game is the. the the minimum utilization of the middle of the field when it comes to uh, the play calling as well, which is something that absolutely has to change because some of the steals and the video, you know, of the playback that was put out there Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. I agree.
1: So a whole lot of bad. Try to turn the attention uh, to some of the good things that we saw this past weekend from the Saints. What good takeaways you got from
0: this game, if any? Uh Trevor Penning is one. Trevor Penning has gotten better every single week. Um every week he's gotten out there and, and gotten better. He's somebody who was the focus of uh, those first two weeks. Um and once again, like just looking at him now, he's definitely gotten better. Um the second one is the secondary, like um Ike Yadam. Had an amazing game, you know, like it seemed like every week we looking at our corners and being like one or two of these guys are having amazing games. So Taylor had another good showing. Marshawn Lattimore didn't have a bad day. Um, that secondary definitely uh, held up, especially um, being without Marcus May and without uh, Jordan Howland. Um, so they had another another great showing. I know I was looking earlier um I saw a tweet earlier and I think. Um, when it comes to passes defended in the NFL, I think we got three of the top five or three of the top six. I know Yadam's up there, uh, Lattimore's up there, and I think Taylor is the other guy that's up there. So that that secondary has been lights like, so out. We gave up more on the ground this week than I thought that uh, I thought we would have, and that more than what we had been. Uh, but once again, that defense, it played this worst game of the season, but it was still a good game from them. So I can't even point at them and be like, oh, that was bad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the good, the secondary and tre- and the improvement of, of Trevor Penny as the season mm-hmm. goes
1: along. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, man. Trevor Penny was the biggest takeaway. He's definitely getting better. Um we did use an extra block of this game a lot, but overall, he's improving individually as a player. Yeah. I think it's very important, too. A lot of people jump down the stroke, but you got to remember, man, dude's still young. He's basically his rookie exactly. right here. So he's still got a yep. long way to go. But speaking of rookies, man, the dude who I ain't going to lie, bro, I'm, I'm digging a little bit more every single week. Brian Barisey, bro. Uh, yeah. Barisey makes play after play after play. Dude is big. He's fast. He can move well for a big man. Uh showing some moves. we was kind of talking about him in preseason, using moves. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: He's out here pulling it off now, man. So I'm still not sold on every down D tackle, but he definitely can go get the quarterback at the D tackle position. So uh, definitely wanted to shout him out, man. He came down with another sack. I think this is the second or third game uh, in a row, if I'm not mistaken, uh, recording a sack. Uh, and it was good to see Blake Groupie go out there and make all his field goals after missing the game winner. Yeah. Last week, yeah. Much. It was. It was pretty dope to see him out there. You know, having his confidence back. And lastly, man, I'm not gonna lie. I've been hearing a lot of Saints fans say this, man, on different sites and just social media. Period. Take some heel. You know, every time he gets in the pocket, you know, we know he's running whether it's left, right, or up the middle. It's been a lot of up the middle this year. But it was good to see him throw the ball with confidence. And now, which you think,
0: have to, yeah,
1: yeah. And the fact that now when he's in the game, I mean, he's capable of making these 7- to 10-yard throws because uh, he's a quarterback <laughs> at the end of the day. But we also know, you know, more than likely he's still going to be running the ball as well. So uh, it was good to see those those highlights from those certain guys, man.
0: Yeah, and uh speaking of Brad Reese, once again I was uh I don't know if it was Nick underhill or Mike Triplett, but one of them had put out the stats comparing him to um who was considered the best D tackle in the draft, which was Jalen Carter in Philadelphia. And comparing what they've done so far this season, it is comparable. Like they they mm-hmm. look they're both doing really good. They look like the same guy. So that's that's really good for him to once again a first round pick, um, mm-hmm. actually showing up and, and and you know and uh playing like Round pick. We haven't had that in a while. Right.
1: So let's turn our attention to uh, something we just talked about, which is play calling. Although Dennis Allen is a defensive guy, he's our head coach. Um, but it's still his job to kind of control his offense and make sure everybody in-house is doing what they're supposed to do. Yep. Uh, we got a lot of coaches on a hard seat, man. Is Dennis Allen one of them to you, in your opinion?
0: No. And it's it's real easy. It's the same way um, I felt about him last year when people started bringing up whether he should be on a hot seat or not. And uh, when you look at head coaches, um, most of them usually come from being coordinators or being position coaches mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. So you look at where that guy came from, what was his specialty, what did he get hired for? Just was hired as a defensive guy. He was our defensive Mm -hmm. coordinator. We saw what he did on that side of the football. Shout page seven way We say, look, we're comfortable giving you this this opportunity to be our head coach. The defense is still playing at a high level. The defense isn't the issue. Like you say, of course, he's responsible for what's under him. He's responsible for the hiring of the offensive (laughs) guys that falls under him. But um, I think he's going to be given the opportunity to make that change. I don't think that's a change that you can force upon him in the middle of a season or at any point within a season, and then judge him off of that. If he, if they, they were to say, "Look, go find P. Carmichael," he could go do that, but then they can't yeah. hold him responsible for what the offense looks like after that, just because of the slim pickings that's out there for him to be able to replace. A Pete Carmichael. So I think he gets the rest of the season, regardless of how they play, regardless of how it plays out, as long as the defense stays strong, and then you go into next offseason and he gets to make a change at offensive coordinator, he gets to go find another guy, and then it now the now the hot seat is now now. You're there. Now it's okay. We know what your defense looks like when it gave you a chance to make a, ch- a change on offense. Let's see if this pays out. If it does, you're good. If it doesn't, now we got to talk about
1: letting you go. I definitely think he's on the hot seat, and I kind of disagree with a lot. Um, well, not a lot, but certain certain facts that you pointed out. Now he's definitely a defensive guy. His defense has played fantastic these last go so, what five years. Defense been pretty yeah. good. Um, defense yep. is where he lay. Defense is where he lay his hat. You know, um, that's his specialty, and. By all means, he does not deserve to lose his job just by his defense. But now as a head coach, I feel like we can't just judge him based on what the defense does. You can't have 25% of your your team playing well and the other 75 underperforming and thinking, you know, you're good just because of what you specializes in is producing. Um, I think last year was kind of like a wave year. Uh, And I feel like instead of going out and saying, find your guy, I feel like Pete Carmichael was his selection because that's who he wanted to have the job in the first place. A guy that didn't want the the job, which I found bizarre to me. I never want a guy doing the job who I got the force to do it. Um, So I kind of looked at last year's his wave year. At this point of the season, to me, the Saints have uh, one of the deepest rosters in the NFC as a whole, especially the best roster. The, in our division, in my opinion. could be a little biased, but that's in my opinion. Um, and as a whole, from last year to this year, I think he's 9 and 12, if I'm not mistaken. That's not good enough. The same issues that we struggled with last year are the same exact issues that we struggle with this year. The highlights from last year, which was defense, is the same exact highlights that we have yet this year. Defense. There's no change. There has been no change whatsoever on the, the issues that we struggled
0: with last year. Yeah, but that doesn't fall on him. I mean, it falls oh, on him yeah. because he's the head coach, but he's not in the oh. offensive room. He's not calling plays. He's not setting schemes for that offense. Once, and, and I can't sit here. I'm, I'm sure you can't either. I can't confidently tell you that Pete Carmichael was his guy and not uh Benson's guy. No, we're going to keep Pete Mar- P. Carmichael. That's the guy that we want. He's been here with Sean. Like, I could easily. See that that was the case from up top. Look, no, P. carmichael Michael's been here. Let's keep him in here. Like this is our guy. Let's go ahead and roll with him. Like I can, I can, I wouldn't even like I never even thought about it as oh that was just Dennis Allen's guy that was his choice. I thought about it as that's the organization's choice for us physical coordinator. Um, so yeah, I and if and if that's the case, then yeah, you can't penalize him for that. You 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 well, you okay. told me to keep this guy. Or you, you know, influenced me to keep this guy. I think that's more of the case than it was Dennis Allen's guy. Um, so yeah, once again, I think he gets the change. I I think he gets the chance to find another offensive guy to to run his to run offense for him. But once again, if we're at this point next season, four games in with a different offensive coordinator with a different offensive mind, and we're saying the exact same things, then yeah, he's going to end up losing his job.
1: And I think he's it's Dennis Allen's guy simply because last year he was so vocal about him wanting to accept that position Uh, and then even asked about it, you know, in the media this week after another horrible performance on the offensive side of the ball. He said change is not coming. You know what I'm saying? More than likely it's not going to come because when you change coaches midseason, it never works out.
0: Exactly. So that's what you, I mean, what else you want him to say? Yeah, we're going to fire Pete Carroll, Michael, and, and things most likely get worse. Teeter out of here, oh, yeah, like yeah, you yeah, say, go. yeah, like he gonna say what he's supposed to say. You know, whether yeah, that was last year when, like you say, he was vocal about him wanting to accept the position. If that's what my organization wants, that's what I'm gonna come out here and say. Well, I, I'm just getting my, I'm just getting my second head coach opportunity since yeah. I'm getting my first head coach opportunity since Vegas. So yeah, I gotta, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk this line with y'all. I'm not gonna find me because of something y'all put in my lap. No, now let me get my chance to, to correct this, and then you can judge me based off. Like I say, the the defense and special teams, those things are playing well. It's really the offense that's killing us. Um I think he's gonna win enough games this year regardless. Um so yeah, I think his job is safe, at least for this season.
1: So who are some other coaches that you see? Well, some other coaches you think uh should be on high. See,
0: what you're not having Dennis Allen there. Uh, what's the dude's name? Matt Eberflus. Uh, the the coach of the Chicago Bears. He he's gone. Oh no, his his uh, seat is scorching. It's it's not even. He, his seat is scorching. He, he out of here. I don't know if they <laughs> just <gone>. waiting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they just you know they trying to see who they gonna pick up no. by the ESPN studios to replace him or what. Bro, but yeah, he out of here. Man. Brandon, on, Brandon yeah. Staley. Brandon Staley screwed – the Chargers screwed the NFL. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) Sean Payton was prepared to take an L.A. job last year. If Sean McVay would have retired, he would have been the Rams head coach. If the Chargers would have did what they were supposed to do and fired Brandon Staley, they would have – he would have taken that Chargers job. And I promise you, Sean Payton with the Chargers would have looked a lot different than what we're seeing uh, in Denver right now. Brandon Staley is the exact opposite of Dennis Allen. That somebody who got hired because he was a defensive guy and his defense is sitting here last in the NFL in almost every category. That's unacceptable. And you got to at least be yeah, able to I do just- <laughs> you got to at least be able to do whatever your specialty was, and he's not being able to do this. So I think he's going as well. Um, the third guy, which is kind of a shock, uh, well, might not be maybe to some people, Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Oh, wow. I think their struggles on offense um, last year and this year, because last year once again we talked about a team who we looked at as uh, overachieving for one, especially on defense, and found them say, and found themselves in every single game. I, I want to say through eighteen games, like they they were in a position, uh, and their offense one hundred percent held them back, um, and we're seeing the same thing this year. Uh within the defense that play that's playing good football, they got some great Jesse Bates is a great guy. Like that dude is is balling out there. For real. Um I forgot that D-line so good, I forgot about Calais Campbell until this past week. And he uh when they played Jacksonville and he popped up on screen. I said, Dang, I forgot they got Campbell. Like that defense is serious, but Desmond Ritter and the offense, I can't even just say it's Desmond Ritter, but the plan of the offense in general. Which once again, we knew what it was gonna be when he took the job because we saw what he did with Derrick Henry all those years in Tennessee. That's not good enough. Especially when you got guys like Drake London, who can be the top 15 wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, who got drafted, and we said, man, this might be the next great wide receiver. I mean, greatest tight end. Like, and B. John Robertson, who's doing all he can to, <laughs> to impress, and we see why he was their number one, uh their number one pick this past year. But there's so much talent on that offense that's going to waste right now. And the quarterback is part of the issue, which we're going to see how long before he switches over to Heineke. But again, Arthur Smith's offensive scheme is more suited for a person like Desmond Ritter, a person like Marcus Mariota, a person like Jalen Hurts or Justin Fields, than it is a Taylor Heineke. So how much will a Taylor Heineke be able to come in and fix the issue that they're having I don't see that being a good band-aid either. So I think Arthur Smith is also on that on that high seat.
1: So I definitely agree with you with Stanley, and I'm happy you brought up the point that he's a defensive guy and his defense is not performing. And I'll just add a little bit more salt in the wound. Man, They have gave him freedom uh, with these free agents to keep the guys that was in-house prior to him getting there. He spent a little money uh, investing in draft picks and the whole nine. When you look at that Chargers defense on paper, man, it looked like a, a Madden-drafted team or something almost. Yep. Man. They're pretty deep, but it just don't pan out for them defensively, so I definitely have him uh, on the high seat as well. I don't agree with Arthur. I feel like uh, this Atlanta team is probably the best Atlanta team that has been put together probably since the Super Bowl year and a year after that, maybe, for just talent on roster, but you also got to remember that these guys are still young, man, so... I mean, yeah, you got Bijan Robinson, you got uh, Ritter, you got uh, Kyle Pitts, you got Drake London, but that unit is still very, very young in NFL years. Now, do it make sense to make a switch at the quarterback move right now? I would say if you are going to do it, then do it sooner than later uh, before the season kind of gets away. I'm not sure what else Ritter has to do at this point to show you that he is, to me, um, the same exact player as Marcus Mariota. And we both kind he's of guess that. And see, that we we both. Well, I think he's worked simply because he's less experienced. But for oh, his actual play strengths and weaknesses,
0: I'm saying he's basically Marcus. Oh McS2 yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's worked. what fits Arthur's system. Right. Correct. His, but, but, but I'm just like, I don't, I don't blaming the young guys for the lack of success within his system. I think his system is what it is and it's operating the way it's supposed to operate. You're not going to be able to run down run the football down every team's throat. So your play action is not going to open up. You're not going to be successful in your pass game that way. But that's the way that his scheme is built. So when you can't run the football, then what? Like if he if he was in an offense to where he was asking Desmond Ritter to drop back thirty times, you know, and and make, and make passes, you know, and and move the football down the field in that manner, and we were looking at Desmond Ritter and being like, ah, he just ain't got it yet. But it's really his rookie year. That's different. Mm-hmm. Like I think the offense that's being ran in Atlanta is the perfect offense for Desmond Ritter. Um, but and it's not about whether he's good enough or bad. Enough. I just don't think that's an offense that can win.
1: I got you. And I look at it as an offense that can definitely win season games. I'm just not sure if it translates to the playoffs. And I definitely think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL can play in that style of offense and be successful. Uh, basically, they remind me a lot of what Ryan, what Ryan Tannehill was doing in Tennessee when he first got exactly. successful. We're going to run Arthur a lot of the Arthur Smith co-
0: was his offensive coordinator. Yeah.
1: Right. That's a, that's a game. Yeah, we're going to run out the football. We're going to mix and play action. And whenever you get lots of days to cool, we got A.J. Brown that's going to blow the top off. We got A.J. Brown who can catch a ball in the middle, split your safeties, and house it. I feel like Jake, Drake, Drake Drake London has the potential to do everything that A.J. Brown did in Tennessee. They have a better tight end in Kyle Pitts, who, well, we're saying better, but a more athletic tight end in Kyle Pitts who should be getting off as well. To me, it's just they need a better quarterback. I think if you drop a Ryan Tannehill, a, a Dak Prescott, a Kirk Cousins, guys that's not named, don't be as athletic as Ritter, but still have it up here already to where they can kind of pick defenses apart. I still think it would be just as successful well, more successful than what it is right now.
0: It would probably be more successful, but I think I think your the point that you made at the beginning would still stand to where it's, yeah, this scheme is good enough to get you to the But it won't win you anything because that's what we saw in Tennessee all those years. If you have Derrick Henry as your your running back, you're most likely going to be able to run against every single team in the NFL. So your play action is always going to be that that opened up a little more than them. They don't quite have Derrick Henry anymore. So when you get into the situations of can you run against every team and you have teams slowing down their run, now we got to open up this play action. Or Now we still have to try to open up this play action because that's all we have in this offense. It's not going to work. And we saw that in Jacksonville on on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I kind of disagree with that because I feel like what I was saying was win regular season games. I'm talking about this Atlanta team. This current Atlanta team, I feel like, have the capability of winning eight games. uh, Oh, no, and
0: and I'm just saying that's it. That same field we got from Tennessee when he was there. Yeah, oh, this no. team going to win 8, 9, 10. Games. They might win their division. The AFC South, they did that. time. I think they won their division three years in a row and got mm-hmm. put out in the first round.
1: I think they, I think, no, one of the, well, they didn't win a...
0: Well, they, the they got to the second round. They got to the second round one year because yeah. they beat the, the Patriots, Tom Brady, last year, if I'm not mistaken. I
1: think they, I think they beat the Ravens, too. I think they, they advanced past the wild card week twice because I think they beat the Ravens the next year the Ravens drafted to beat them pretty much like we don't care what happens we sign in everybody to stop the run that's the only thing we care about at this point so that Tennessee team was I think a little bit better than what what we remember it to be I mean Tennessee was like known for oh no I'm not saying they weren't
0: a bad team but again I'm saying that their offensive scheme held them back
1: well, when you when your when your quarterback is Ron Tannehill, no, not the you Ron chose
0: Tannehill, that quarterback. You're in the playoffs. Was
1: there any other better choices out there when they traded?
0: For there them? were plenty. There's there's plenty better choices every year. Like they decided to to keep rolling with the Ron Tannehill trade. He decided to roll with Desmond Ritter this year and have Taylor his back. Them. They were one of the first teams to come out and say, "We're not entertaining Lamar Jackson. We, we're not even going to entertain that trade. We we're not we're doing that." And imagine Lamar Jackson running exactly what it is that Arthur Smith putting out there right now.
1: Do you honestly think if they had the opportunity to, to truly get Lamar Jackson for decent
0: compensation, do
1: you honestly think they would turn that down?
0: What is decent oh. compensation? Whatever Baltimore was because once again, they once again, they never even entertained it. Like, as soon as they said, Hey, he's open, he's open to be traded on this franchise tag, uh, Atlanta was literally the first kid that came out and said, Nah, we good.
1: Well, other teams was, and they didn't wind up with Lamar Jackson either. So, my whole thing is, the Ravens put him in a situation to where look, we want you and we're gonna find a way to keep you. I mean, quarterbacks is the most sought after position in all of football, if teams can just Go to the tree and pick the one they want. They'll be playing for them. So I'm just saying, a lot of times you have to roll with what you have to roll with. We was in that situation last year. We we had Atlanta picked, and Andy Dalton.
0: Atlanta picked where in the draft this year? Because they, were, they picked Bijan Robinson, so they had to pick like eighth, ninth.
1: Bijan 10, Robinson, tenth, something like that. I think tenth. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So the quarterbacks that got drafted in the first round last year were. CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Richardson Bryce Young, Mason. uh, who else?
1: Oh, in the first round, Will Levis. Levis. He wasn't in the first round, though.
0: We got another first round somewhere, don't we? CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson. Those were all the, one, the only three that, that won the first round.
1: That was it, and they all was gone before the first ten picks.
0: Yeah, and then Will Levis. Yeah, if you're if you're Atlanta, you. Once again, anytime the team had them in-house, so they saw what they saw, they liked what they liked, once again, I'm not disagreeing with his fit within what they're trying to do. Like I say, my biggest thing is that we're going to run the football down your throats and play good defense. That's not winning anything these days. And to win you games, yeah, it'll probably get you to a wild card game, but then that's where, that's where it ends, unless you have one of these quarterbacks that are – Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, or you just have a you just have a different scheme of offense. And I don't think the Arthur Smith scheme of offense is one that's going to win you too much these days. So I think okay. – you. Um, and once again, we're talking about such Kyle Pitts, this is his third year. Uh, they're going to be looking – he's going to he gonna be looking to get paid soon. Mm-hmm. And so Drake London is going to be looking to get paid in, in another year or so. Uh, mm. So, not especially once money has to start flowing to this talented roster, you got to show us something.
1: Yep. I agree. I agree there. Yep. So, um, we definitely got Atlanta having um, their woes, And uh, just speaking about the position, the quarterback position, uh, and different players that's out there, we know it's definitely trade deadline time. Is there any players – that you can see uh, moving around in the NFL soon?
0: For sure, see. Um, I wouldn't say for sure. I could point out one person and be like, yeah, that, that guy's going to be gone. Because even the Jonathan Taylor... Oh, go ahead. Uh, I just wanted to
1: try to think about the player you was going to say. You said only one player that you see gone for sure?
0: No, I said I, I can't even think of one player that I can oh, look okay, at and be okay. like, yeah, that dude's going to be gone for sure. Yeah. yeah. You you had
1: me puzzled because I thought you said they got <laughs> white.
0: I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. They nah, got one. Uh, nah, okay, right. nah, cause like I said, even the Taylor situation looks like is it's, it's worked itself out to where he's gonna most likely finish his year with them, or he's gonna perform great over these next weeks and the team is gonna be able to uh be willing to, you know, finally pay what it is the coach were asking mm-hmm. for him. Um, but man, like it's it's hard for me to see. Minnesota not being able to budge if somebody comes and calls about Kirk Cousins at this point. Um that season seems like it, I mean, 0-4 or did they did they win are they one and three now? Uh I can't remember who they played this past week. They One and three. Um, but I mean their season is slipping away from them quickly. Um and it looks like Detroit is probably gonna run away with that division, which a lot of us expected going into the season anyway. You got Kirk Cousins going into uh he's gonna be a free agent next year. If you have a team that's, you know, desperate enough that wants to try to cut Cousins from from out of Minnesota, whether it be Atlanta, like we just talked about, or another team, it's going to be hard for me to think that Minnesota says no, especially being that they're going to be willing to pay Justin Jefferson after the season as well. Um, We just saw J.C. Jackson get traded. Man, You talked about that off-air a couple weeks ago. You said, man, J.C. Jackson, out there looking unplayable. You know, and then we saw him be inactive last weekend for me that was i was like oh yeah they gonna get rid of him i was like yeah he a healthy scratch they're gonna get rid of him they were able to trade him back to new england
1: two weeks in a row i think
0: yeah so i mean if they traded him back to new england he went back where he started and watch he looks like an all pro sunday against us uh now that he's (laughs) already he's gonna get right back to it but instantly um, instantly yeah exactly exactly um besides that, man, I can see Cincinnati making some moves. They're a team that's struggling right now and in the position of where they're about to have to start. Well, they've already started because they they mm-hmm. gave Trey Hendrickson his extension, I want to say, and they paid Joe Burrow. So they've already started paying out a whole lot of money. And they got two big time receivers they gotta pay um coming yeah. up. So it wouldn't shock me if they went ahead and started making some tough decisions. Um I'm trying to think. I mean, who 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 were you thinking about when you saw when you saw that as a topic? trade candidates.
1: Well, I was just very interested in the in you know the one person. I thought you had one guy. Oh
0: yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but overall, I'm
0: just like you, man. I'm swinging
1: for the fences, right? And it was kind of fun for me
0: to come Hunter Renfro. That's that's a guy that we talked oh, about a lot during the offseason Getting traded, and now that they literally yeah. don't use the guy, like there's no point in him being there. So I At can definitely all. see him be going too.
1: This past week was his busiest week, and I think he only had four targets and came down with two or something yeah. like that. But, yeah, Hunter Info is definitely on my list, too. So I got Hunter Rufo and guys like that. Uh, you spoke about Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. I had Darnell Hunter. You talked about the season slipping mm-hmm. and the way pass, pass rushes are very expensive. So if you're going in any kind of rebuild or making any tough business decisions, uh, you got a, a pass rusher that's, you know, put, getting there at a close stage where his production won't be the same.
0: Um... And, and if I'm not mistaken, they they restructured his contract to make it to where he was a free agent after this <laughs> year because he was unhappy. So yeah, yep, makes yep. sense. So that
1: that would make a lot of sense to me. We spoke about um, Chase Claypool possibly just getting cut more like He's going to end up being cut. Yeah, yeah. Chicago, Chicago can't find any uh, anybody to take on take on him at, at this point. You spoke about T Higgins. That's definitely, yeah. I don't even understand how, he, how he's still a bingo right now. I'm gonna be honest, with you. <laughs> honest with you. yeah. I, w- I would think the bingo's phone would be like just bring it non stop 24-7 trying to get their hands on, on T Higgins. So many teams could use a, a great receiver. And I'm gonna throw yep. you a curveball, man. Throw you a curveball, Chase. Young Chase, uh,
0: a guy who was talked about in the offseason being moved, he's been hurt a lot. Uh, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. So, I mean, he's basically, you know, a free agent as But, once again, the when he's healthy, the performance is there. I think it, that if he can make it through this season healthy, they're going to be all willing to pay him.
1: I don't think teams are going to be patient enough. I think what he's doing right now is definitely more more valuable enough than what a lot of other teams have. And once again, we're talking about a guy that's still young. So, if the injury bug is the only thing that concerns teams, I think he's going to have some suitors. It would not surprise me if he's there.
0: But I think Washington wants – that's my thing. Like, Washington is a suitor. I don't think Washington doesn't want him. I think Washington wants him. They just want him to be healthy. I think Washington is prepared to pay him. So, I don't think – as long as he makes it through this season without any crazy major injury, I think Washington – give him all the money that he wants this off season, and and like I don't think they, especially because they're doing well as well. Like this is a team that's I think gonna be competing for a wild card spot, if not the the, end of the East, uh, towards the end of the season. So yeah, I don't think they get rid of their stud um, prematurely.
1: Okay, all right, there'll definitely be something to touch bases on. So it was kind of fun to talk outside of sex for a good five. Yeah. Days. Uh, Watch them 24-7, talk to 24-7. It's fun to kind of shine a light on other areas in football, and everybody gets happy about trades. I still feel like a kid when I see one scroll on the bottom of the uh, screen, man.
0: And let me ask you real quick, just uh, to throw it out
1: there.
0: Yeah, just to throw it out there real quick. If a Saint was to be traded before the trade deadline, who is it?
1: A Saint? That's a tough one, man. Um. A New Orleans Saint. I I'll go offensive and defensive. Offensive, I would probably go Michael Thomas. Um just because we just restructed him basically to a one-year deal. Um he's getting up in age. He's been healthy. It's the healthiest he's been in a long time. I love Mike, but making a business decision, um, it would be easier for me to part ways sort with of a Michael Thomas versus a, uh a Elvin Kamara. Chris either, he, yeah, not even discussion. Uh, and I mean, a lighter off to Saint a Jameis Winston if you want to go there, uh, something like that, or maybe an Andrus P. If, if our line was healthy. But if I had to say like a real name offense, it would probably be Michael Thomas. Defensively, man, tough. Oof, that's tough too.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't. I I'll tell you, I don't think defensively don't, we'd be parting ways with anybody, honestly.
1: Well, yeah, I was about to say, but if I had to, I would probably say Alante Taylor, simply because we have depth. Um, uh, he's basically a slot when everybody's healthy, uh, and we have two guys now who's proven they can play the slot.
0: So if I had to choose a guy on defense, I'd say Peyton Turner. Carl Granson, uh stole that job. That's his job going forward. We paid him. That's our guy. Uh, so I can see them being like, okay, look, you know, Marcus Davenport didn't work. Peyton Turner, you not working. Your opportunity is going to actually work. So we're going to go ahead and trade you and get what we can for you. On uh, offense, you name both of the guys that came uh, to my head at first, which is Michael Thomas. Uh, and just Pete, uh, once again, you look at the, I mean, uh, offensive lines around the league in general, and that's always you know, a big thing, being able to have depth on an offensive line. And Andrew P can definitely serve as that for any team. Uh, it's just, you know, once again, about him being healthy. But if you're not relying on him to be your starter, then that's a, a way better position for him to be in. Uh, and
1: fun fact, I forgot we had Peyton Turner. I forgot he was yeah. even on the roster, so he could definitely See? go.
0: what's up everybody my name is sid and i've teamed up with the big homie reg to bring y'all something new something we like to call beyond the scoreboard y'all be sure to review rate and subscribe let's get to it making these hits Making these I'm in the lead, you boys not in my league If you listen close, I'm coaching Take heed, cause a boy hella dope without Pushing a Blanco, still stabbing bitches Like 94 in the Bronco, if it's about the money I'm leaving them hoes pronto If I don't do nothing, I'm about ball, up. Every time I do it, do it the code list.